say good morning and welcome to Hebron to the worship service. We're going to begin by singing the hymn 80. Once in Royal David City stood a lowly cattle shed where a mother laid her baby in a manger for his bed. Mary was that mother mild, Jesus Christ, her little child. <clears throat> Thank you. 
Our psalm for today is 149. We have been reading through the psalms consecutively since the beginning of the new millennium. Uh, so for 22 years we've been going through the psalms and next week we'll come to 150 on the last day Sunday of this year. And then we'll begin anew in January again. These latter psalms are psalms full of praise. Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp, for the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings <coughs> with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. And we're here to praise the Lord and we'll unite in prayer and worship before the presence of God. Our God and Father, we seek thee now on redemption ground. There is a place of meeting with God. You've opened up the way into the holiest of all that way that was given only to the high priest once a year when he went with the blood of the animal into that holy place, sprinkled the blood upon the mercy seat and confessed his sin and the sins of his people. We have the joy, the privilege, the high honor of coming all the time, every day to the presence of God the veil of the temple was rent in twain, signifying the opening up of the way into the immediate presence of God. We do no longer rely upon the priestly order of the Old Testament. Thou hast made us kings and priests unto God, and we have the right, therefore, to approach the Lord through the merit of Christ and upon redemptive ground. We come with hearts full of worship, to a God who has done all things well. We rejoice in redemption through the blood of the Savior who came into this world in the incarnation. We've been singing about it. He came down to earth from heaven who is God and Lord of all. And Lord, even at this time, we, we magnify the birth of Christ, the coming of the Lord into the world. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your only begotten Son, Think of that text of all texts in John 3 and 16. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, gave him to the incarnation, gave him to the womb of the virgin, gave him to Bethlehem's manger, gave him to grow up as the prophet Isaiah spoke about as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground, gave him to the ministry that he commenced at the age of 30, when he went about doing good, gave him to the scoffing and the mockery of the people, 
We know that all manner of evil was said against him falsely, and yet you gave him to these things. You gave him to Gethsemane's garden, where he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And you gave him to the, the judgment of Pontius Pilate, where there in Gabbatha, in the judgment hall, he was beaten until unrecognizable. You gave him to the cross of Calvary. And we see the rough soldiers take our blessed Savior and they lead him outside the city walls of Jerusalem. And there upon the brow of Calvary, they crucified him between two thieves. You gave him to all that the cross entailed, the suffering, the anguish, the pain, the eternal wrath of God poured out. And Lord, we're thankful today that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So many in this church building today have come to that place of trust and faith. And we have believed to the saving of our souls. We can say today from the very depths of our being, it is well, it is well with our souls. Bless us as we come to this hour of worship. Pour out the Holy Spirit upon this congregation. Quicken us, Lord, we pray. Make us live unto the things of God today. Every song that is sung, every Bible verse that is read, in the, the preaching of your word, Lord, as we sit and we, we listen to your word today, we pray for the ministry of the Spirit to apply that to every heart. Thank you, Lord, for being with the sick of the congregation and for Wesley and Peter now out of hospital. We pray that you'll be with them as they continue to recover from illness. May your gracious, tender hand be upon their bodies. Thank thee for being with our sister Madge too in these difficult days and for improvement in her health and for the many others that are there in the prayer list. You know them one by one. We commit them in love to thee. And so bless us here in this time. Thank thee for Sunday school this morning and Bible class. Thank thee for the little one that professed faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. We say from our hearts to God be the glory great things he has done. And we pray that you will bless the child. And may that be multiplied right throughout every class, the unconverted children coming to know the Lord. Hear these our prayers as we commit our day to thee, as we think of the singing this afternoon and the special meeting tonight. We pray that you will come among us with great power and do your wonders and your exploits for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm going to sing in a humble manger sent from the Father above, Jesus Christ, the Savior was born, marvelous gift of God's love.
welcome you sincerely to the house of God today in this time of worship. Good to see all who've come. Good to have Johnny and Lauren with us worshiping today. Trust that they'll be blessed coming here. Johnny back to his home church and a family that we love in the Lord. In the afternoon, we go to Knock and Lodge at three for the carol singing, and then back into the town for a quarter to four. Just takes a little bit of time coming in uh, the distance. So remember that Covenanters flats at a quarter to four. Tonight is a very special meeting. It's the annual Christmas carol service at seven. Members of the church will take part. Our choirs will sing tonight. The youth choir will sing. The Hebron choir will sing. The Sunday school choir will sing. And the Ukrainian choir will sing. And also, we have someone else singing tonight who might not be. The word of truth. Amen. Good to have the word of truth resurrected and ready to go. And in between, there are short readings. Going to be a lovely service, I know. And we'll be reading from the Gospel of Luke tonight, and some from our own church, and some from our Ukrainian church will take part. And one will read in English, and there'll be also a short passage read in their own language in Russian tonight. We'll put the words up in English so that you know what they are reading. So pray for the meeting. The invitations have gone out, and uh, supper will be served after the service. Ladies, help out, please, with the the necessary food, especially when we anticipate more coming in tonight. This has been shared now uh, on social media, WhatsApp groups. Get it out there, make it known, and invite your family and friends to come. Last Monday night, we had a lovely time going around some of the seniors, the shut-ins, And there are more to do, so Tuesday night, carol singing again at 7 o'clock. If you come here to the church, those that are able to go out with us, and uh, we'll go for the second part of getting around these folks. I know it was very much appreciated last Monday. Wednesday morning, the Christian school has their Christmas concert, and that's at 10 o'clock, and everyone's welcome. If you're free at that time to come in, we give you that invitation. In the afternoon, we're having uh, the second Food and Friendship at Hebron in these struggling days from 11 to 3, and if you can come and help again, we would like to have you here. Uh, The fellowship was good the last time, soup, rolls, tea, coffee, biscuits, just simply reaching out to our community. Just as I mentioned, reaching out to our community, um, Mark, who's with us this morning, he phoned me last night and he said, you know, we have some flowers, some plants that we can drop off with you if you're happy to receive them. And they're all sitting out there on the table. And if you're a senior, and we'll start with the seniors, if you're a senior and you'd like a little flower, a plant, they're out there. And we want you to take them home and enjoy it over the Christmas time. And we thank Mark for thinking about us in doing that. On Thursday night, we're having a deputation meeting at 8 o'clock. It is our missionary night, and Noel Stevenson, who's home from the Philippines, will be coming to speak about the work, and we'll have special prayer for revival and for missionary service. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting will take place at 8 o'clock for those that are able to come in to pray with us. Please note that there'll be no Sunday school or Bible class on Christmas Day. 
And note also that our worship service is having a time change uh, from 12 back to 11. So it's 11 a.m. next Lord's Day. You come at 12, and uh, the service will be nearly over, will be over by that time. So 11 o'clock next Lord's Day, Christmas Day gospel service will be at 7, and again, members of the church will take part. Let's make this a very special day uh, on Christmas Day. Thank you for your tithes and your offerings to God's work. It's the Missionary Council and the School Covenant that is due today. The free will envelopes and the Missionary Covenant envelopes are available. The Missionary Covenant envelopes will be available. The free will are available and the others are to come. Uh, they're in the process and they'll be here soon. But the free will are just there as you leave on the left-hand side. Can I mention this? You may not be able to, to read it uh, at a distance, but on the 7th of January, from 8.30 to 12.30, there's a New Year breakfast. This is just a little fundraiser for a Christian school, always in need of finance to keep the work going. And it will be here in the Carson Complex from that time. So if you come early, uh, you'll get a sumptuous meal. If you come late, you'll get a sumptuous meal. 8.30 to 12.30. <coughs> Congratulations to Reuben and Charlotte on the birth of their little girl, Bessie Jean. And again, grandparents on both sides, but especially to Philip and Elaine. Uh, this is a joyous time for you as a family. It's all happening very, very quickly for your family. And we rejoice with you in the goodness of God. Please continue to pray for the sick and the needy of the church. Remember all that is related to Ukraine. We keep this live so you can pray for the work. We mentioned Monday and we had a lovely time going around. We showed some of these on Thursday night. And then the group came back uh, to have something to eat at the month. So we just love you to have you. Then the children, they were out this week as well. And they were out at one of the residential homes. They sang in four different areas of that home. And the, the folks there really, really enjoyed the visit of our school children. Yesterday saw us taken to the town, and right there outside the Danska Bank, the usual place for the preaching of the Word, we had a lovely time together. The weather was very cold, but the number was great. I think there was over 30 people came to sing with us, and the gospel went forth, and we just pray it will be a blessing to those who uh, came by and listened, some of them putting their car windows down to listen to the singing and the preaching. Uh, so thank you for those that were able to come, young and old. doesn't mean that Lydia is old, but young and uh, old. I'll give you some old people there now. You might be able to hear them. We'll work on the sound. We'll try that again and if not, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's on Facebook. If you can hear, you might just hear in the background. Anyhow, moving on to Stefan, we, we, he got his pig, and this is the pig now lying at his feet. And uh, they, they did a lot of work this week, getting it all prepared, everything being used. And you can see he was delighted. He, he did a, 
FaceTime with me so that I could see a little of what was going on. There was a family that we visited in our short visit there a couple of weeks ago, and they were in at a special meeting that was held, and uh, the pastor there was delighted that they came in under the sound of the word. We're thankful to Florine for all the work that he's doing, and from time to time we're able to send contributions uh, to purchase food for Ukraine. And Pastor Florine has been going with others twice a month to deliver this. And Yuri was preaching to soldiers in the Ukrainian army. Um, If we didn't hear the last one, we may not hear this one, but you'll not understand it. These folks will understand it. But there he is, the the opportunity to tell these soldiers about Christ and uh, share the gospel with them. That was a tremendous opportunity. We preached this morning at Emmanuel. Uh, So we do the, the, the Zoom link up and we preach and they interpret and the congregation is able to hear. There's Christmas greetings, of course, from our sister Noring to the congregation. And there's also cards. I think they're mainly for those that uh, support our sister, but the cards are there at the back as you leave. Please take them with you. And then on behalf of myself and the session, the committee of the church, we extend Christmas greetings to all uh, the congregation here at Hebron and those that listen in to the services. And on behalf of Susan and her family, we wish the same to the Hebron church that you'll have a blessed Christmas in these days. These are all the announcements that I have to make. We're going to do what we do on these two Sunday mornings today and next Lord's Day. And so we're going to ask some questions to the children. Children, um, I'm going to put them up in Russian as well so that you can read and the Ukrainian children will be able to, to see this. If they can't read, their parents will tell them what the question is. And I always need some runners. And I think we'll go with girls this year. Boys were very slow uh, last year getting round, so we need a couple of, of young ladies, volunteers, to, to run with the prize to whoever gets it. Joanna, she's not being volunteered. She's being conscripted by her children. Thank you very much, Joanna. Somebody else <laughs> would like to volunteer your mum or your sister? Your... Come on now, you're not to be so shy. Somebody else? No volunteers. Laura Ann, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Joanna, Laura Ann, really appreciate your willingness. So what we're going to do, we'll take an answer from both sides of the church each time, and that will, okay, you're in charge. You see see the aisle down the middle? You're in charge of that side, Joanna. And Laura Ann, you're in charge of, of that, okay? So these are going up on the screen. Who was Mary's cousin? You put your hand up if you know. Both sides. And we're trusting, we're trusting in the translation that it works okay here. 
who was Mary's cousin? And we want you ladies to, to choose somebody because I can't really see all the time. And I hope you ladies know the answer too. Okay, that, that was Elizabeth, should have been. What was her husband's name? What was Elizabeth's husband called? Begins with Zed. Laura, did you get somebody? Is somebody here? Vika? Very good. Zacharias. Who was their son? Zacharias and Elizabeth had a son. What was his name? Lauren and Joanna. The answers are here if you need them. <laughs> I should have. Do you need them? You're okay. Okay. That's fine. We're looking for three little words. John. The Baptist. What Caesar was in power at that time? Okay, I'm going to move a little quicker. Where did Mary and Joseph live? Okay, next one. Where did Joseph's family come from originally? Okay, there's some children here at the front too. What was this city also known as? The city of... Just look at your pastor and you'll, you'll get that very, very easily. Okay. What was Joseph told to call the baby that would be born? There's an easy one. The answer was Jesus, okay. What does the name Jesus mean? Okay, in Matthew chapter 1, we read about another special name given to Jesus. If you're at the open air yesterday, you'll get this 
Emmanuel was the answer. What does this name mean? God with us. What Old Testament prophet foretold of this name? He was known as the evangelical prophet. Begins with I. Okay. Isaiah is the answer. Can you tell me a prophecy from Isaiah? Anything that, that Isaiah said about Christ coming into the world? Is that a hard one? Anything he said about the Lord coming into the world? Maybe some of the names of the Lord. There's a passage in Isaiah and it deals with five names. There's actually a chorus that is based on it. I would sing it to you, but it would give the answer away. And we'll have one more after this. If not, we'll move on to the next one. What did Mary wrap the baby, baby Jesus in? Joanna, have you still some, something in the basket? And Laura Ann, yep. One more question. What was Jesus led in? There's a young man there. And young ones at the front here too. Okay, thank you very much, ladies. If there's anything left, you can keep it. Just before we sing a hymn and have the message, there's a, there are copies of Vision for Kids at the door as you leave. They've left some there for you. If you'd like to read the, the updates, they're all here in this little magazine. Number 79, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful. It's one of my favorite uh, hymns at this time of the year. We sang it this morning at the early time of prayer, and we sang it a cappella. O come all ye faithful, joyfully triumphant, to Bethlehem hasten now with glad accord. Lo, in the manger lies the King of angels. O come, let us adore him.
may be seated. We've been thinking about our sister Valerie as well, and Valerie's went into hospital for surgery, and she's come through it. She's come through it successfully, and these are now recovery days for her. So we add her to the list. We ask you to continue to pray for her. Coming to God's Word as we find it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, and we're going to read the concluding verses from verse 18 through to verse 25. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was in this wise, when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, my son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's have prayer. Heavenly Father, in the worthy name of Jesus Christ, we bow humbly and reverently seeking your blessing upon the reading of your word. And now what we seek to explain and deliberate upon for a little time, thank thee for your presence. Thank you for your people that are here. Thank thee for those among us who know not the Lord, and we pray you'll speak to them also. We praise thee afresh for Christ. We come into the world. And for these wonderful verses that we've read that tell us about the message that the angel had for Joseph of old. Lord, speak to us now and just shut us in with yourself for this little time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to speak on three things about the birth of Christ, and we're going to concentrate our thoughts on verse 21 and verse 23, so just keep that passage open before you. Matthew's Gospel introduces us to the genealogy of Christ. It begins with a long list of names. In fact, 16 verses are taken up with the pedigree from Abraham to David, and then from David through to the family into which Christ was born. But let no one think that these verses are useless There's nothing in the Bible that's useless. And every word is God-given. Every word is inspired. All Scripture is given 
by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The chapters and the verses which seem at first to be unprofitable are given for some good purpose. And I want you to learn from this list of names that God always keeps his word. He promised that in Abraham's seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. He promised to raise up a savior from the family of David. These 16 verses prove that Jesus Christ was the son of David, he was the son of Abraham, and that God's promise was fulfilled. The Son of God took upon himself our nature and was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. This event, of course, has tremendous significance for us today. If Christ had not left heaven and come to this earth and dwelt among sinful men and died upon the cruel tree, then there would never have been hope of salvation for you and I. If Christ had never been incarnated, then we would never have been saved and never have been forgiven. And so his birth is so important. And I want to think of three things today about his birth. I want to talk about the manifestation of his birth. And we have this in verse 23. And we have it summarized in the name Emmanuel. And then I want to think about the the miracle of his birth in the same verse, the fact that he was virgin born. And then thirdly, we'll look at the mystery of his birth. I think you have that in verse 21, the fact that he came to provide salvation. And that's a great mystery, why the Lord would ever do that. But first of all, we look at the manifestation of his birth. Verse 23, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. We should settle it very firmly in our minds that our Savior is perfect man as well as perfect God. If we lose sight of this great foundational truth, we will run into all kinds of fearful heresies. The Lord Jesus Christ is one person with two sonships. He's both the Son of God and the Son of Man. He is one person with two natures, divine and human. And though Jesus was with us in human flesh in the likeness of man, he was at the very same time very God. We often find as we read the Gospels that the Lord could be weary and hungry and thirsty. He could weep, groan, and feel pain, just like ourselves. And in all this we see the man, Christ Jesus. We observe the nature that he took upon himself when he was born of Mary. But we also find in the very same Gospels that our Savior knew men's hearts and thoughts. He had power over devils. He could work the mightiest of miracles with just a word. 
He was ministered unto by angels. He allowed one of the disciples to call him my God. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. Took the great title of Jehovah God. I am the ever-present one. And he said, I and my Father are one. And in all this, we see him as the eternal God. We see him who is over all. God bless forever. When God visibly manifests himself on earth, it's called a theophany. I don't want to get too technical, and I'm sure you've heard the term before, but it's called a theophany. Theos is the Greek word for God, and the other part of the word, ophany, is just simply an appearance, God appearing, an appearance of God. And so when God appeared in a visible way upon the earth, in the technical term, we call it a theophany. And the epitome and climax of God appearing visibly is in the incarnation of Christ. It is summed up in the word Emmanuel, God with us. God literally being beside us. No doubt John was thinking about this idea when he wrote his gospel, the first chapter, chapter 1, verse 14, and the Word, the Word of verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word, the eternal Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. To say that God had never appeared to man in a visible way previous to the birth of Christ would be untrue. He was present in the Old Testament dispensation in a variety of ways. And I'm sure you can think of some of those ways. The burning bush. Moses was there in the backside of the desert in Midian, tending his father-in-law sheep. Comes to Mount Horeb. Something unusual is happening to a bush. It's on fire. And as he draws near, the voice of God, the Lord called out, onto his child. And it was there that Moses received the call of God to be the leader of Israel. But there was a manifestation of God. It was the the burning bush and the voice of God speaking to his child. We think of the pillar of cloud and fire. I think of ancient Israel delivered from the land of Egypt and beginning the long march through the wilderness to the promised land. As the shadows of night cast themselves upon the trail which they traveled. I hear a little boy shout out, Mom, Dad, come quickly. What is that ball of fire in the sky? I am frightened. There's no need to be frightened, said the tender voice of his mother. Do not be afraid. It is the Lord guiding us on our way to the promised land. And immediately the fears of the little child subside and he takes comfort in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them by the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. It was a visible manifestation of the presence of God on earth. And there it was in the pillar of cloud and at night the pillar of fire. God also revealed himself by way of self-conscious creatures such as angels, but especially the angel of the Lord. 
He stands out from all the other angels that we read about in the Scriptures because the Scriptures do not identify him as a creature but identify him as God himself. This angel appears unto Hagar and she calls him Lord. And again in Genesis 31 verse 13, the angel of the Lord declares, I am the God of Bethel. The angel of the Lord can be none other, therefore, than the second person of the glorious Trinity who was to come in the fullness of time in the flesh. Emmanuel is the ultimate and the climatic manifestation of God on earth. One of the great theologians shared, said the theophany of the Old Testament was the harbinger of the incarnation. God in the bush or the angel prepared the way for the God-man. The disciples and the people of Christ's day were some of the most privileged people to ever live in the history of the world. This world has been around for 6,000 years. But there was a little period of the history of our world for 33 and a half years when God dwelt among man. And really, three and a half years of the earthly ministry of Christ when he showed himself to the people of his time. What a privilege it must have been to be on the earth when God was made man and he dwelt among us. They saw the manifestation of God in the person of the Son. And thank God the hope of every believer is to see the Savior one day face to face. Now, we don't see him physically now. We see him by faith. We read his word. He speaks to us. But we don't see him in the physical sense with these, these bodily eyes of ours. But one day we shall. We're going to see him, John tells us, as he is. Face to face shall I behold him far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory I shall see him by and by. And so will you, dear child of God. Well, thank the Lord he's still the Emmanuel to our souls, even though not physically, the Lord is with us. Day by day, moment by moment, we have God with us. My best friend, you could say, is by my side every single day, wherever I go. He's there in the mountaintop experiences, and he's there in the valley experiences also, when the burdens of life weigh down upon us. He's there in the bright days, of happiness, and he's there in the dark days of depression. He's there in the ups and downs of life, and he is leading us. He's leading us through the wilderness. This world is a wilderness in which we live, to the promised land, where one day we shall see him as he is. The manifestation of his birth. But secondly, there's the miracle of his birth. And this same verse a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. Although Christ as God is eternal and has no mother in that sense, yet when he became man, Mary was the chosen vessel to bear him into the world. 
And in this sense, Mary is the mother of the humanity of Christ. Joseph was not his father, for before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Mary conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, not by the power of nature. The Holy Spirit who brooded across the the face of the deep and powerfully brought the world into existence is now brooding over the womb of that woman that was blessed among women and planted the divine seed in her womb. He prepared him a body as was promised. When he said in the Psalms prophetically, a body hast thou prepared me. His sinless pure birth was a miracle. It's a depth which we have no line to fathom. It is a truth which the infinite, which the finite mind cannot comprehend. It is a fact which ordinary nature cannot explain. But let us be content to believe with reverence that it happened. It is enough for us to know that with him who made the world, nothing is impossible. The ungodly men seek to undermine the vital, fundamental teachings of God's Word. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools with all their learning, worldly wisdom, and intellectual powers. They have sunk into terrible heresies and have become the antichrist of the, which is now the 21st century in which we live. I suppose one of the most notorious brings us back 40 years or so. Some of you will, will remember the Bishop of Durham. You have to be as old as me or as old as Phil to, to remember the Bishop of Durham, Dr. David Jenkins, a man who rose to a high position in the church, and yet he denied some of the most fundamental truths of God's Word. In one of his sermons that he preached in the 1980s, he said, listen to it, we have no right to insist on the literal truth of the virgin birth of Jesus. Some people simply cannot understand or simply will not listen to the point that many of the stories of the Bible are not for real. Not by being literally true, but by being inspired symbols of a living faith about the reality or the real activity of God. To insist on literal language as being the only way or even the principal way of bearing witness to God is to get stuck in something very close to magic. Dr. David Jenkins, the birth of Christ, if you say it was a virgin birth, you're just talking about magic. What blasphemy? If they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. And as we do with every doctrine, with every teaching, we take what people say to the light of divine truth. And we ask the question, what saith the Scriptures when it comes to the virgin birth and who Jesus really was? In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, we have the prophetic word 700 years before the coming of Christ that clearly states, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. 
Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And when you come to Matthew chapter 1, this passage that we have read, verse 18 through to verse 25, but especially the text that we're looking at in verse 23, again we're told a virgin, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child. In Mark chapter 1, verse 1, we're told in the beginning of the gospel, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And there's no doubt whatsoever what that term means. That term, the Son of God, means that He is God the Son. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, we have something similar. We have mentioned to you already, John chapter 1, verse 14, how that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 3 and 16, we've quoted already. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, and these are just some of the examples. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law. God has a message for, for people who believe what, what Jenkins taught those years ago. It's the message of 1 Corinthians 1 verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Of course, Bishop Jenkins is no more. He has gone the way of all flesh. He lived a good life, 91, before he went out into the great eternity of God. And I'll tell you this, his eyes are open now. Many things that he disbelieved about the Bible, the virgin birth being one, the resurrection of Christ being another, he believes them now. He has seen things clearly in the great eternity of God that he refused to see upon the earth. As a fundamentalist, a Bible-believing Christian, one who loves the Savior, we believe in a supernatural Christianity which presents a supernatural Christ who had a supernatural birth, who lived a supernatural life, who died a supernatural death, who rose in a supernatural resurrection, and praise God, is coming again in a supernatural return to this world again. To reject the virgin birth is to impute the stain of unchastity upon Mary. It is to affirm that she was an adulteress. It is to imply that our dear Savior was illegitimate. It is to suggest that he was an imposter and a liar. He claimed to be the only begotten Son of God. To believe God is to believe his word. It is to accept his truth. And his truth is Jesus was virgin born. The Greek word parthenos is equivalent to the Hebrew word alma. That's the two words that we've read here, both of them translated as virgin. Isaiah 7 and verse 14 is Alma, and Matthew chapter 1 is Parthenus. And it means virgin in the strictest sense of the word. 
The critics assault this verse of Scripture. They tell us that, that Alma, translated virgin, simply means a young woman of marriageable age. And this is not so, for it cannot note anything else but a virgin. Martin Luther, great reformer, 500 years ago, he issued a challenge. He said, if a Jew or Christian can prove to me that in any passage of Scripture, Alma means a married woman, I will give him 100 florins, although God only knows where I will find them. And Luther's challenge still stands impregnable today. Nobody has been able to refute that. The virgin birth is a fundamental doctrine that we must earnestly uphold. We must stand against all the satanic powers that prevail in this world today. We must voice our protest against intellectualism, modernism, liberalism, and higher criticism which attacks the basic doctrines of God's Word, and especially those doctrines that surround the person of Christ. The miracle of His birth, Jesus was virgin-born. And then my last point is the mystery of His birth. And I direct your attention to verse 21. She shall bring forth a son, and I shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus is a wonderful name. It is honey in the mouth. It is harmony to the ear. It is melody in the heart. It is the name that is above every other name. It is the same name as Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua is the Hebrew word. And Jesus is the Greek word. It's exactly the same name, and it means Jehovah is salvation. And Christ is our Joshua, both the captain of our salvation and the high priest of our profession. The reason for that name is given by the angel. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for here's the reason. He shall save his people from their sins. And this is a mystery. It's a mystery to me. We cannot fully understand or comprehend why Jesus should, should leave the royal palace of glory only to enter a perverse, corrupt world to save sinners like you and I. Why should he die for my sins? Why should he pay the penalty for my sins? Why should he endure the cross for me? The basic and the fundamental reason of the incarnation was he came to save us from our sins. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. The day arrived when the Son of God left the, the riches and the glory of his eternal home, and he descended into the womb of the Virgin Mary. He was born into this world as a man. And from that day of his birth, in the words of Scripture, he set his face as a flint to go to Jerusalem. He was determined to go there, to be the Savior of men, to die, to shed his blood for poor sinners like you and I. And my friends, that's a mystery. Why God would do that for us. Tis mystery all the immortal dies. Who can explore his strange design? When Jesus came to this earth, it was not to demonstrate the wrath and the judgment of Almighty God. It was to show mercy and forgiveness. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him 
might be saved. He came to do battle with the devil. The, the, the greatest battle of history is situated outside the city walls of Jerusalem upon a hell crag. There my Savior conquered and annihilated the power of Satan and hell. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he should destroy the works of the devil. How thrilling are these words of Scripture, therefore. He shall save his people from their sins. He saves you and I from the guilt and the penalty of our sins by washing us in his own redeeming blood. He saves us from the dominion and the practice of sin by putting into our hearts the sanctifying spirit. He saves us from the love and the habit of our sins by renewing our spirits in the image of God. And in the end, he saves us from the very presence and the existence of sin when he takes us home to be with himself from the painful remembrance of sin as the former things are passed away. Oh, what a Savior he is. He's the only Savior. And my question, just as we come to the conclusion of this message is, do you know him? Do you know this Savior? Do you know this Savior who was manifested in human flesh, who came into this world through the vehicle of the Virgin Mary, and he came to save us from our sins. Have you trusted him? Have you received the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? If not, why not come to him today? At this Christmas time, and very soon, and maybe some of it has happened already, gifts will be received and gifts will be given. Receive the greatest gift of Christ. Let us pray. Our God and Father, we thank Thee for the dear Lord Jesus who loved us and gave Himself for us. Thank Thee for the great doctrine of His virgin birth. We hold it reverently, rigidly. We thank You for the purpose of His coming to save us from our sins. Our sins condemned us. Our sins were taking us to everlasting hell as fast as our feet could carry us. But Jesus came. He stepped in. Became the Savior, the substitute. Took our place. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Oh Lord, may we remember these things at this time. And so much is happening out there. So many things happening and nothing wrong with the many celebrations and the gifts and that are, that are being given. But Lord, help us to remember Christ. The real reason for what we will say is Christmas, the incarnation, the coming of the Lord Jesus, the Savior, into the world. And for those that know him not, may they seek him, call upon him, find him as their personal Savior. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll sing a verse of the closing hymn, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King, Peace on earth and mercy mild God, 
and sinners reconciled. Just the opening verse of the hymn 76. Gracious God, separate us now with your blessing. Be with us through the afternoon. For those who go out singing to these residential homes, be with us. And Lord, visit us tonight at our special service. Oh, that thou wouldst come down, be one of our number, and speak to those that gather. Give us a good night in the house of the Lord, for Jesus' sake. Amen.